Welcome to Commercial Property Podcast. My name is Helen Tarrant. I'm an author, I am an educator, and I am a specialist commercial property bias agent. Now, in this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you specialist strategies and terminologies and live case studies on how you too can achieve financial freedom through commercial property. Now, if you are looking to buy your first commercial property, want to find out more information to see if commercial property is right for you, or you want to expand your portfolio to two or three commercial properties or even more, then this is the podcast for you. I will be sharing with you live case studies, the journey of my clients and students, and also how we're putting deals together. So relax, listen in, and enjoy the process. Welcome to this episode, Journey to Success. What do large organizations, developers, and successful investors buy? Join us in this episode to follow the journey to success and hear how Helen started with her first commercial property in Sydney, a simple set and forget strategy that might actually suit you too and why she chose it over a 5% yielding residential property in the same location. And let's follow how she moved progressively onto vacant property strategies and refurbishment strategies that have led her to her current level of experience and success, owning more than 20 of her own properties to date. Let's dive in. Hey there, welcome to today's podcast with Helen Tarrant, commercial property podcast show. Welcome, Helen. Thank you. Lovely to be back. It's great to have you back, Helen. This is a very special podcast, uh, I think, in particular, because it's absolutely fascinating to hear of your journey in property investing. Um, And we really want some sort of, you know, insights as to, you know, what got you started in investing? Where did you actually start? Uh, We'll take that journey with you in the podcast of where you started in your Um, property investing journey and you know what's happening in your world now because there's so much exciting stuff happening so if you could just walk us down the path of when was the first desire or the first spark for you to invest in any type of property and you know where did it lead to from there Hi, Namiki. It's really, really good, interesting to talk about a bit of the journey because I think um, from learning about other people's journey, uh, people can find their own individual uh, like elements in there so they can continue and and do uh, go along their investment journey. For me, uh, I've always been. I come from a self-employment background, and when you're self-employed, you start to realise that you know you spend the first couple of days getting enough money to pay rent. And then, you know, you have money to pay the taxes, pay the staff, and then before you, you get money to put in your own pocket. And I and I was working as a beauty therapist, and for me, as I was working as a beauty therapist, I realized that, hey, you know, um, the guy who owned the premise could go out and go fish just because he owned a premise he could come and collect rent once a week. And I realized I wanted to be on the other side and really got me thinking about what it's like to be on the other side. But also being self-employed. Growth wasn't so important to me, but cash flow was because I realized how important cash flow was to make the world turn, mm. tick. So I was really chasing um, cash flow. And I realized that residential, even though you, you could get cash flow by going regional, you could go cash flow you know, by going um, you know, to another state, ultimately the cash flow was never going to be enough for you to retire on one or two or three properties. So I knew there was something else because when I looked through uh, how other large companies or organizations were investing, I realized that they weren't investing in residential property. So what's interesting is that when you go to learn about property investment, they tell you that uh, Macca's, McDonald's is in the in 
the business of real estate, not in fast food. But they neglect to tell you that McDonald's is in the business of commercial real estate、mm. and not residential.、Mm -hmm. So,、um, and we see that repeated in Australia in the Harvey Normans, in the Dick Smith. Their business might model might have failed over time, or、uh, you know, and in decline. But they've already made their money through the real estate, in the commercial real estate, and having the tenants in there, and and and, and having. Uh, a particular type of property that suited the tenants, and they've made their fortune that way. So it's been when you look at、uh, also how developers and how much even even、um, Triggerboff owns commercial properties.、Uh, so you start to realise that some of some of the largest real estate or successful people in in this generation have they made their money through commercial、mm -hmm. and. While residential is really, really great for growth, commercial has always been a key factor in balancing out a portfolio, giving cash flow, and also、uh, creating a multiplier effect when you know what to do. So that really got me to look deeper into it. And when I first started investing, I, wanted, I just I was like everybody else. I wanted somewhere local. I didn't understand. I wanted somewhere I can drive to.、Uh, you know, I want something that I understood.、Um, And you know all of those things that doesn't matter to me now、mm -hmm. matter to me when I was a first time investor. Of course,、um, I wanted to know the tenant. I want to go and eat their food. I want to go and monitor them. I want to make sure they can pay their bills.、Um, you know all of those things. But、um, so I did exactly that. I found a property that was within about forty five minutes drive from where I lived.、Uh, it was a Japanese restaurant, about fifty or so square meters. And really, for me at the time, while I knew nothing about commercial property, and this was 2012, what really pulled me to it was when I compared it to a residential property in the area. I realised that you know at that time, people you were able to get eight percent yield, which is net yield before mortgage, on this property, whereas you're getting a five percent gross in residential in the same area.、Mm. So the contrast was so significantly different. I thought, well, why? You know, you know why? You know why not? I mean, what is the worst thing that could go wrong?、Uh, because the worst thing that could go wrong was probably you know your tenant getting fast, coming fast, leaving, and then you have to find another tenant. So I realize that analogy is no different from having a residential tenant. Yes, it might be a, it might take a little bit longer, but sometimes when a residential tenant leaves, you also have to spend a lot of time fixing up the property to make sure it's tenable、mm, as well.、Yeah. So either way, there's going to be some lag time. So, but if you started out with more cash flow, then you effectively could create more buffer for yourself to 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 really create that security before、um, anything happens. So I realized that you know it's just time to take a leap, and for me it was about learning through that. That's in, yeah, that's incredible.、Um, you you certainly did take a leap,、uh, and I liked the way you referenced your. You know your reflection on being a business owner versus being a landlord, and how your landlord, you know, when you were a business owner, was collecting rent from you passively and could go fishing, or you said whatever he was doing.、Um, so that that level of thinking you had quite early on,、um, and so when you were looking at your property within forty five minutes drive of your place, what what was going through your mind in terms of? Your selection process, so it had to be fairly close that you could drive to. Was there anything else you particularly liked that sort of was fitting into your comfort zone at the time? Um, 
Yeah, look, for me, it was somewhere that I knew, somewhere I could drive to. It was a restaurant premise. Um, I think for me, it was in a hub. It had all those things. But for me, the biggest thing was the cash flow. The return was so significantly different that I just, I, I, you, I was at this point where you think, why hasn't anyone ever actually told me about this? <laughs> Is this really what happens in this industry? Um is this too good to be true? You start asking that question. Um, and this is really interesting because almost all of my clients and students say that after they do a first commercial property deal. Mm. Why hasn't anyone told us about this? What's wrong with this picture? Is this really what's happening? People are putting money in our bank accounts? Like, um, And when that happens, it kind of like, turns everything you've learned about investment upside down and he screws up with your brain a little bit. <laughs> um, recently, the case that just today even, I had a, uh, a colleague call me because I've been helping her to get into a property, her first commercial property. And, um, and in the beginning, she's like, oh, I've realized when I'm doing the due diligence, the strata is too high. This is, not, this is not stacking up. It's reducing the returns. I'm going to walk away from this deal. And I said, hold on. You know, don't jump to conclusions work through this process and now you put everything together and you go back to the agent and put everything on a plate. Show them what your research was, detail it to them and get your reduction. And she got something like a $50,000 reduction because of it and she called me up today to say, what is wrong? Like, is something wrong? Have I missed something? Why did they just do that? Why did they agree? Wow. Um, yeah. Have I missed something? I, I, I can't. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's changed her whole, like, she says, I'm, I'm either having a moment of self-doubt or this is extremely going extremely well. So, um, and she just doesn't really know how to grasp it because it just, um, you don't get that in, in residential. You don't go up to them and say, hey, the roof is leaking or we need these things fixed, we need that and I want, you know, five grand off or 10 grand or 50 grand off because it didn't work. And so it kind of just turns everything you've learned on your head and no amount of uh, of theory is going to prepare you for that moment because it's like a light bulb moment but it's reality it's like what did um, and that's a classic case of when I think um, we go into a deal with lots of preconceptions based on our history our investment history our relationship with money uh, what we've learned and what our education has been um, and then we do a deal and that forms the foundation of our reality of what a commercial deal is. Before then you can read and do whatever uh, but nothing prepares you from actually the rubber hits the road yeah. and then once you get in there you realize your preconceptions, the criteria you originally went into it um, were irrelevant and were not the, the questions that you asked would not be the question you would ask again in the second deal. And by the third deal, that question probably doesn't become relevant anymore. That's so nice. the criteria you start in the beginning, like I want to be somewhere that's close to where I live because it makes me feel safe. I want to, um, I want to be in it. I want the tenant, and often I hear this, I want a tenant to be in an industry that I know. So oh, right. I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't, you know, if I don't like retail because I'm thinking that Amazon's going to come over and take over the world and, and all retail is going to die. Um, and that's my preconception. I won't do a retail deal, no matter how good the tenant is. And they could be an iconic restaurant 
in Sydney CBD and you could be getting an 8% yield and you still wouldn't touch it yeah. because your preconceptions is no, 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 that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and often it's like, well, um, I want uh, the, the tenant's not getting the, how long the tenant didn't do the fit out or the tenant didn't um, maybe, you know, the, the, the place is looking old or run down or, or, or the, the alcohols are too high. You know, some of these little things, you, you're constantly finding it out for yourself. But it's when you put the big picture together, when you are in that due diligence process that you go, okay, well, yes, there is this, these are three good things, there's one bad thing and there's a maybe thing I could change. How does this overall picture work? Mm -hmm. and, and that starts becoming, you start to see it, you go, actually, you know what, this is actually a good deal. Yeah. Uh, if you let the one thing trip you up or you let that one criteria that he has to be near you, you might mean that you can never find a property. Like I have, um, I had a call from a, uh, a new client coming on board with us and he said, I, I've been looking for over 12 months for a property, in commercial property. I just can't find one that has the right yield. Um, and my answer is let me send you um, three hours of my education and I think you've got to look. You know, you, what are you, where are you looking? Oh, I'm looking in Metro Sydney. Well, you're mm. not going to find a 7% yielding property. Mm. It, it's, uh, you know, and so um, he did it. He, he went through the education and he said, now I understand. I was looking at the wrong place. I was having the wrong criteria. Yeah, yeah. So I was never going to find that property. Not, not um, today, not in this climate at the moment, yeah. <laughs> no, not in this climate, and and, and sometimes you know, that criteria. And so when you start out, you you have totally different criteria. Yeah. Um. I know I understand the comfort, uh, but it's also understanding that uh, a property is a property, a, a restaurant property, a office property looks the same in Sydney than it uh, as Melbourne, as Brisbane, yeah. as somewhere in Cairns or Tasmania. Sure. Yep. And it's what's behind all that. So absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So you started with this 8% yielding restaurant back in 2012 um, as your first commercial property. And like what was the second step? At what stage do you go? did you say, oh, wow, I love this or I feel confident enough I'm on to <clears throat> my second? Approximately how long did that take? Um, so I did the second. Uh, once the first deal came through and that was all done the second deal was slightly different the second deal was a more of an owner occupier but then we hadn't when I say we my husband and I hadn't got into the mindset of oh, the commercial was where the investment's going to lie for us the next one was a pure need that he needed an office space because uh, he was relocating from Perth and I needed a, a, a an office or um or a ground floor retail to run a training college wow. Uh, so it was purely driven by that need and going out and looking for an office space for an owner-occupier. Okay. So very different. And very different. So you're looking at a different criteria. So when we bought an office space, we originally was going to share one. Then we decided we'll get separate ones next to each other. We just we happened to buy uh, in Roseville, which is um, North Shore in Sydney. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and what happened was the, the developer had developed these properties in 2008. Um, and that the GF siege came through. They couldn't hold. They've sold some of them. They've leased out some of them, but they can't. They were in receivership. They couldn't. They couldn't hold hold it. So they couldn't sell us two properties. They had to sell us four. So they said, "Well, we can't do a deal for 
two, but we can do a deal for four. <laughs> okay. And you can get a really, really good price if you bought five, four from us. And <laughs> Double the quantity you wanted, right? Yeah, not the quantity we quite wanted. Um, and we sort of had to almost more mortgage everything we had to buy it. Wow. Um, but um, also part of it was, yes, there was an office space for me, uh, one for my husband, but the other two was, one was tenanted, uh, which we knew we understand because yeah. we just recently bought a tenant property and the other was a vacant property okay. and we had no experience with a vacant property yeah. and not until it settles and you go, well, what do I do with 250 square meters of space? Yeah. You sort of go, okay, well, let's do something. Um, then I learned, we learned how to refurbish and do up a vacant space so it becomes attractive to a tenant. Uh, and to then tenant it out. Fascinating. So, so that part of your journey started quite early as well. Like, you know, not not just a, a set and a, and forget. Um, you know, nice easy project. You sort of dived into your second one yeah. as a uh, let's let's do something to it. So, was there a lot of work that you needed to do to that particular one to to get it tenanted, or was it sort of starter stuff? Uh, yeah. It, um. Look, it, um, there was a debate of what you would do with something like that. First, we painted it and then we thought, okay, we won't go out all, all out with it. And then we decided what we'll do is we actually will give the option to the, the tenant. Uh, and that means that uh, if we give the option to the tenant, it just means that then we have, we can divvy it up whichever way they like. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, uh, this way that then we ended up having a tenant who says, look, I wanted um, 100 square metres, then we're able to work out where the wall was going to go and then we ended up with one at 155 and one at 100. So that was how we ended up. We left it as a vacant space and then once that's been uh, partitioned off, we then looked at, okay, what does the tenant want and what can we give the tenant and what are they going to get in return? We start the whole lease negotiation process. Mm -hmm. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So yeah, you you delved into a fairly big project for a starter in that area. So yes. you, le you learned pretty quickly. And so ultimately, when you had both of those tenanted eventually, or well, that would have mean sorry, that would have made it three three yes. properties that you create. So you you had you had your two offices that you were using, and you had two others that. Um, one was one had a tenant, and then the one became the extra vacant one became two. So, may I ask what the overall yield was on those three, or do you have any recollection or, or memory of, of how, how it all panned out for you? We um we were getting about by the time we tenanted it, we were getting about about a seven percent in Sydney, uh, seven seven and a half yeah. percent out of out of those. Um, and by then, the yield that was a couple of years later, the yield had compressed in Sydney. Uh, it sort of went to around that six, six and a half percent yield. Mm -hmm. So by tenanting it, we're getting a higher yield. Uh, but we also bought in at a time where, because we were buying vacant, we were able to buy it at a much cheaper price. Yeah. Uh, and because it was vacant, also it was a stress purchase, which meant that we could offer lower rents to attract our tenants as well. So we could offer below market, below market rent. Oh, that's huge. So that is a huge insight. Yes. 
And when you do vacant properties, that is one of the big things is that you don't get stuck on the property, that there is many vacant properties in this market, that you leave yourself with two, three, four options of vacant properties that you like. If you can't strike a deal with one, then go for the next one and go for the next one. There will be someone who will be stressed and wanting to sell and then they will take a price cut on it and you'll be able to buy in at a lower rate. But that doesn't mean, again, I talk about not being greedy. That doesn't mean that, you know, you charge your full top market rent for that property uh, because you could be getting a vacant property and then wait out six months or 12 months before you get a tenant. Yeah. It would be much better if you bought it at a discounted rate to offer below market uh, rentals and get a tenant within three months. That is the best scenario because you're not greedy. You've, you are still getting your returns. Uh, in fact, you're getting above a higher than bath market returns because you, and you know that the tenant is winning because they're paying a lower rent and you know you've bought in lower so you've already made an equity gain yeah. as well so every it's a win-win situation yeah i see that that's very clear uh and very strategic and clever <laughs> absolutely so that's an interesting strategy so you've gone from one to three <laughs> within two deals sorry one to four properties in two deals basically um, yeah. And then over a period of time, you, you know, you've grown a portfolio to quite quite a number at the moment, I understand. So, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, which, which has given you an extraordinary experience. And I know that's where everyone learns from, from all the different types of deals. Were there any in particular that stand out to you um, that were, again, a new challenge um, that it allowed you to acquire a new sort of skill set or new understanding in commercial property that you can recollect? Um, yes, yeah, so what happened, um, we, in, what happened, we, we started to grow our portfolio and we started to stick to the same sort of tenanted type of properties and then we ended up buying a property in Pitt Street, Sydney. Um, so we're, this is, you know, your, um, probably the, the property that is a, in terms of real estate and expense, probably one of the most expensive real estates addresses in the world uh, because, you know, and and we bought a whole floor. So for the purposes of our audience who do not live in Sydney, can you just give us a, an yeah. illustration of what Pitt Street so, Sydney is? It's in the CBD, yeah? So Pitt Street Sydney is in the CBD yeah. and um, it's it's pretty much the, the most uh, busiest part of the CBD yeah. and it's the main street yeah. in the CBD of Sydney. Yeah. And Sydney real estate prices are so expensive. So um, you can imagine if you were going to have a shop front somewhere like that, how expensive it would, would, would be. Sure. Uh, it, it, you know, some of the some of the buildings on in Pitt Street Sydney will rival, you know, New York or Hong Kong in terms of their prices. Okay, that gives now. us a good understanding. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, what um, for me was that uh, we looked at it as an investment to to do up and sell. Uh, we never looked at it as a long-term, of course, holding it long-term. You know, now it would be worth so much more and, you know, we would have so much equity in it. But sometimes when you start out, you don't get a choice to say, hey, um, I really want to hold on to that. Sure. You have to do so many deals in order to get where you want to get. So we bought that property for $1.4 which in today's value is nothing when you're buying something so close to the CBD. Yeah. Uh, but it was messy. It was messy. It wasn't a property that people were just 
would touch because it's not traditional set and forget. You didn't have your two tenants or three tenants or even one tenant. You had 10 tenants in there, all in little cubicles. Um, you had a lot of floor area that wasn't lettable floor area, so it was underutilized. Um, you had meeting rooms that was you know, unused and there was a lot of outgoings that were inefficient. So for all of these reasons, for the average investor, they, it's a headache. They can see it's got 10 headaches before every class. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the only plus was it's a dress. It's a Pitt Street City <laughs> property. Okay. So, um, and that was a big learning curve because that was a three-year project that we did. You know, it was, you know, we're working, we're doing other things, but, you know, we did in the background was to really tidy up this property. So we bought it and you had some tenants who were on rolling leases, some tenants not on leases, some tenants on one-year leases. And for us, we saw that some of the tenants have been there for six, seven, eight years. It's about going to them and negotiating a new lease. Some of the tenant needed more space to amalgamate or create more space mm -hmm. um, to really look at the layout of the property um, because there was inefficient use of space. So if you amalgamated two office spaces and then moved a wall, you ended up with a bigger space. That sounds um, like a big job. Moving walls and things yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but it's it's chip rock walls, so you, you could do that. Okay. Um, there was also, you know, there didn't need to be two meeting rooms. You could have one meeting room, and that meant you had extra letable area by taking back one meeting room. Yeah. Uh, we also worked on the outgoings because, as because it's a multi-tenant property, we were paying for a lot of electricity. So there were electricity that was running inefficiently. So we put, you know, sensor lights on there. Um, we we looked at um, ways of sort of reducing the usage of it um and and this way it just helped us reduce the cost more profit more yield into our you know into our pocket and also you know really tidying up to make that instead of the floor looking all messy when people come in they get off the elevator and they go where am i going to find this person you know we have we put up you know a business directory board so people knew you know which person's located where which person's located where yeah. um and, and things like that so we just got the place more efficient uh there were some vacancies we tended to those and uh we got it to a point where everyone there was no lease renewals for at least 18 months okay uh everyone was tenanted uh things were running smoothly and then we took it to auction to sell it wow. and in that deal uh we made about a bit over seven hundred thousand in that deal uh, and I think, you know, that's a big chunk of change to go forward and do multiple other deals afterwards. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes, you know, looking back, you go, well, would I really have sold a Pitt Street property in Sydney because I'd never be able to buy that back? <laughs> um, we weren't attached in that sense. Yeah. Uh, it was more about we did it with the aim that we would sell it with the aim that this is a bit of a springboard for the next few deals. Yeah, that makes sense. So you had a strategy behind it, a plan and a vision for what the next step was. Um, and you can't, yeah, we can't sit there wallowing in regret over time. It's a case of, you know, this was the plan, we did execute the plan or you did execute the plan and then you moved on and forward. And I know you've moved from strength to strength to strength. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about how you help others do this now for themselves so other couples other individuals 
because um, I know there's a whole a whole process. You've you sort of you've identified a couple of or three strategies already. One was buying, you know, a steady income restaurant as your first property, and that's like your set and forget, which we will talk about more in in follow up um, podcasts. And then you had, uh, you know, one that was partly tenanted and partly vacant, and so you sorted the vacant property out. And now this one was like a multiple tenanted mixed bag and sort of up you know upcycling and and refurbishing and and sort of you know tidying up lease type of projects or a much bigger longer term project um how do you help how is it that you help i know how you help them but for the audience's sake how do you help um someone who's interested in getting started and they don't know what um you know what strategy best fits them for jumping into commercial property especially if it's their first time or if it's their next one you know i know you've got a process could you take us through a little bit about what that process is um, in terms of how people can access uh, you and education and so on so right now we this business has been in operation now for um for three years and going on to four. Uh, and one of the things we wanted to do is to be the one-stop shop for people investing into commercial property as in their first investment, that transition from residential to commercial. And that's where we've really niched and specialised and understand what our customers look like and look for. And predominantly that's investing, investing with security and confidence and also having someone to be able to guide them through that, and that mentorship and a community behind them. So. If you're coming in and you're you're brand new and you don't know where to start, education is the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Education through a webinar, through watching some of our YouTube videos, um, to becoming um, to finding us on Facebook really helps you. Um, looking up, you know, findinghelentarrant.com gives you background, uh, and then you have a few choices. You have a choice of joining our education program, so that there's someone. So we have a coach that do it with you as a group. Um, or you might choose that you actually want someone to just find you a property. So you want to take up our sourcing or buyer's agency program. Now, sourcing and buyer's agency program work a little bit different. Most uh, agents or buyer's agents, when you say, I want to join, they go, thank you very much, here's a list, um, you know, off we go. Um, we actually work out the strategy behind it, the big picture. Where do you want to be in three years' time? Where do you want to be in five years' time? Let's work backwards. It's never about the first purchase. It's about what happens second, third, and the journey that you go through. So we have a more holistic approach, and we understand the first one's a bit scary, so we want to mentor you through the first one. So there's some prep work to do before you buy your first property. Um, and we also have um, the uh, – we also look at – the properties regarding if you wanted to do education you want to find your own property and you want to source that property um, yourself so you want to go out and find it we've got coaches who can help you do that under the education arm and the education branch yeah. um, for some people they prefer someone to do it for you and that's the our mentorship and buyers agency program called the sourcing program or the platinum program where we do it for you so we take you by the hand and take you through the deal ourselves. So those are the two predominant arms of the business. Mm -hmm. Now there's a third arm of the business I've just started this year, and it is for people who are uh, who are looking for more group deals and deals that they can do um, when they're busy. So 
we have, we have some students and clients who might be doctors, lawyers, and they all run their own businesses even, and they're extremely, extremely busy. So if they're extremely busy, um, they may not even want to own a property on their own. They might just be part, of, they want to be part of a group deal so that there is a, um, so they know that they put the money in to a group of 10 other people. It's, you know, we're buying a childcare centre, we're doing a medical development. Uh, and then from there, we're going to, from there, in three years or five years' time, there's a return on their capital. That might be right for someone else. Um, not right for everybody, yeah. but that's an option we have to give. So it's a very um, exciting somewhere one. along the line. Yeah, very exciting. Somewhere along the way, um, if you're coming into commercial property and thinking about commercial properties as the next step for you or uh, progression in your portfolio, we've got a solution to match what you're looking for. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I see that as a very comprehensive way of helping um anyone who's taking their first steps in, in commercial property they don't know where to start they're a little bit scared or they're a little bit anxious um or a little overwhelmed and confused so what we'll do is we'll make sure we've got links to a really helpful webinar um, in the show notes um, an opportunity to book a call or a consultation to talk about sourcing as a buyer's agency uh, and also uh, we'll probably put in a link to the youtube channel so you can even watch some additional um footage of helen on you know helen's roadshow and uh sourcing and looking at different commercial properties and that will give you really really good insight as to what the process is and what it might be like to work with helen um, if you're interested and you don't know where to start and um yeah you really want some help um, there's a lot of really helpful well, there's there's hand holding in in both areas which i've seen um and i'm hearing at the moment as well so Brilliant. Thank you, Helen. Was there anything else you wanted to finally sort of end on um, or sort of wrap up with your journey at this point in time? Because it's quite no, a journey. No, all good. Okay, so it's quite a journey from your very first one in 2012. Now we're in 2019 and you're running a buyer's agency, sourcing agency, group deals and an education program that walks people hand by hand. Uh, congratulations. I think you're, you know, you've achieved so much and you help so many people. Thank you so much for sharing that journey with us today. Look forward to having you on again soon. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Commercial Property Cashflow Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss any of my valuable tips and strategies. Now, if you're wanting more detailed education and training, I have a free webinar you can attend. Just click on the link in the show notes and it will take you there. And if you're ready to invest in commercial property with guided assistance and you want to talk to us, book into your free consultation. Find out more about it on HelenTarrant.com. I can't wait to share with you more of my tips and strategies in upcoming episodes. So really make sure you subscribe. This is Helen Tarrant signing off. See you on the next podcast.